Month of May is off to a hot start for our Seattle Mariners, taking down the Astros and then so far splitting the series with the Texas Rangers. What do the Mariners have in store for the third game of the series versus the Texas Rangers? And what have we seen out of the Mariners offense? Welcome to episode seven of the Hit It Here podcast, whether you're with us on Spotify or YouTube. And today we're going to get into some of the numbers for the Seattle Mariners so far in May. Joe, let's talk a little bit about the pitching staff. Well, in our notes, we wrote pitchers are lit and that's... There's nothing else to be said about them. I mean, there's a lot to be said. They've been phenomenal. Lights out. You, you can't touch them except for like like one hit every once in a while. Bryce Miller shoved against the Astros. We were a little worried, you know, coming off of his start against Oakland, whether or not it would translate to pitching in a bigger environment home, you know, with more than 2,000 fans. Yeah, there I, were 42,000, by yeah, the way. You know, 40,000 40, more. Just a, a quick little jump in escalation there in terms of crowd volume. And against a lineup that, you know, is a bit more potent, theoretically, on paper, than the Oakland Athletics. And dude still shoved. It was Miller time for the entire game. It was a great game overall. We know Logan Gilbert was dancing with perfection before the seventh inning hit. Marcus Semien and, you know, it just it didn't, it didn't work out for him in the end there. But... Dude, he, I mean, he had 10 Ks. Yeah, but while striking out, what, seven in a row at one point? Yeah, he, yeah, tied the, is that tying the record or is that one behind? Mariner's record. Mariner's record, right? Yeah, sorry, that's, yes. I didn't know if that was one behind Mark Langston or if it was. Yeah, it was Langston and. Castillo did it against the White Sox to start the game last year. Couldn't really figure it out in that seventh inning whether or not he lost a little bit of velo or control. That walk to Adolis Garcia was pretty huge. He was swinging at that pitch high and inside the entire game, and he just happened to lay off in that at bat. And, you know, the rest is history there. Mariners offense just couldn't get it done as well. And then also, George Kirby, George, just what are we, what, like, what are other teams supposed to do against guys like this? Mm hmm. And I, I mean, with this part of the lineup or this part of the rotation right now, I mean, if Marco Gonzalez, we said this last year, if Marco Gonzalez is your weakest link, you have a really, really good rotation. Yes. And we were thinking, hey, how's Bryce Miller going to fill in for Robbie Ray? He's looked phenomenal. Obviously, Logan Gilbert and George Kirby have had some really good starts here in the past couple of weeks. And right now, the Mariners have been, what, getting into the sixth, seventh inning almost every single time out. Of course, there'll be a clunker here and there. It's just bound to happen. Mm -hmm. But... Logan Gilbert losing that first game against the Rangers is so unfair to him. He got Felix, Dude. like you made a video about. Um, do you think that <sighs> J.P. Crawford gets that ball if he's playing shortstop? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I think because – oh, that's a tough – that's a tough question, bro. I don't – I don't know. I feel like Perry would have – because he does the defensive alignments, right? I don't think he would have been aligned up any different. I don't know if J.P.'s range is all that much more. But it would have been close. Definitely definitely could, but I'm not going to say yes. Yeah, I, I that's fair. I, I think it would have been, yeah, like you said, it would have been closer. I mean, it is JP. But with that being said, I mean, Logan Gilbert, he had to be perfect that day because of how pitiful the offense has been. I think one of the big things we need to talk about with how bad that offense has been, we got to talk about it, Joe, is Julio Rodriguez. Do the Mariners need to take him out of the leadoff spot? The, the, the right answer is probably yes the my my you know it's that that moment of my mind's telling me no but my body right my body's telling me yes and i'm wearing my julio jersey right now and it's tough because his at his at bats have not there's not what you need out of the leadoff so it's not a matter of like what you want it's becoming a need it's becoming this thing where it's it's a problem now two times 
yesterday. Oh, not yesterday. The first game. Cookies, ducks on the pond, just left out there. Two ground into double plays at the worst moments. First pitch of the at-bat. First pitch of the at-bat. I guess he, he beat out the second one. But it doesn't matter, right? It's the, it's the same result, and you don't get anything out of it because of it. And sure, it's not only up to Julio. And we, that's been proven in games that we have won, that where there's production out of other spots in the lineup. Our best hitting spot in the lineup right now is the sixth hole. For whatever reason, I don't know if you need to put Julio down in that sixth spot. Maybe, you know, get a little funky with the luck there. Try and, you know, reverse jinx him into getting some easier pitches. But there's, I don't, I don't know if he's pressing. He's trying to do too much. What it really is. What What are your thoughts, I guess, on moving Julio out of the leadoff spot? Yeah, no, dude, dude can't be in the leadoff spot right now. I think he is a black hole in this lineup. He's putting up the most non-competitive at-bats in this lineup right now. He's a guy that is currently getting the most at bats per game of anybody mm-hmm. on this team and he's putting up the worst at bats so it just makes no sense to keep him in that leadoff spot it doesn't have to be for you know the rest of the year and this yeah. is something i've seen a lot on twitter about moving him down <laughs> but i don't know i think that if if you move julio down to that six spot i think i think six is a good spot for him right now five or six he, okay. he should not be leading off for you uh he shouldn't be getting most at bats i think Almost everybody else in this lineup, I'd rather I'd rather have Tom Murphy getting more at bats right now than Julio Rodriguez. That's a that's a bold statement. I get it. You know, Tom had a great game last night, but I, I get your sentiment. If if it's down to six, I would be shocked. I would say three through five is probably where he would end up, because one Gino and Teo also haven't been that good. They've been a little bit better. Teo, you know, I think he had a six game hit streak and ended yesterday, but. Yeah, they're just, it's not looking good for Julio. And yeah, last year, it was the same story. It was not looking good for him. And then he turned it around. Then he started getting real hot in May. I think it's just, I don't know if it's the pressure, the expectation, what it is. But yeah, it's just not happening right now for him. No, I think this is, I mean, this is the first time since he turned it around where he's really struggled. This is like, since that month of April in 2022, where you can chalk it up to, hey, this guy's just breaking into the league. You know, this is just a you know a turning point for him mm-hmm. now it's like hey this is actually a slump a struggle that he's going through he's an established yeah. hitter in the league and they know how to pitch to him now i mean i think i saw an article by might have been divish about like throw some a couple fastballs in and then breaking balls away it's like and i think yeah. he said in that article it's not new that's something that pitchers have always done throughout the history of baseball but julio can't figure it out and i think it's a win for him i don't think it's an if he figures out how to do that Definitely. i don't think this is the player that he is i think julio's way too good of a player to be in this slump for the rest of this year but right now it is so it is so bad to the point where even scott service is calling him out once in a while and i think honestly good i think julio needs to get called out a little bit and say hey man like you're swinging you're making really bad swing decisions you're swinging at the first pitch you're swinging out of your freaking shoes Maybe just take a step back, take some swings for the team here instead of for yourself. And I don't think Julio is a selfish guy whatsoever, no. but he's trying to break out of the slump by hitting a 700 foot home run. And yeah. that's not going to happen. So it's like he's I trying think... to play hero ball every single time mm-hmm. he's up. And there, mm-hmm. the rally against the Astros in the second game, he had a pretty key base hit in that rally mm-hmm. as well to keep it going. And that looked like almost to be like a turning point. And even with the home run on. Sunday in the final game those 
two at-bats in conjunction with each other so close together seemed like something where, all right, maybe this is where he finally finds his groove. And unfortunately, just haven't seen it in the first two games against the Rangers. And yeah, not, not to stick on this Julio point too long because we got to move on, but there was a point in today's game where he didn't he didn't get time called with Heaney up on the mound, mm-hmm. and he was pretty upset about that, and then he struck out on the next pitch, and he could tell how frustrated he was with himself at that point. I mean, he was yelling at him. He wasn't yelling at the umpire. Yeah. He was yelling at himself yeah. and just how mad he was at the whole situation. Yeah, it's that, that internal struggle. So who do you think should lead off then if Julio's taken out of that spot? When he's healthy... He's going to be back in the lineup tomorrow. Probably it will be JP. I would say he's got the veteran leadership and the, you know, captain aspect to him. Scott, he's, I feel like he's earned Scott's trust and he sees the ball well. He gets on base. He may not hit for a super high average. He's hitting the ball well this year, you know, but he has been walking a lot. I think it's a good guy to have up there. I think it'd be too early to put a guy like Caballero up there. Yes, he's the cock of the walk right now. He's strutting his stuff. He might be the perfect guy for it when he's seen a bit more time, but I think JP would be my first pick. Yeah, and honestly, I would not be shocked to see Julio get the day off, I guess, on Wednesday when you guys are watching this. You guys have probably already seen the lineup by now. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be shocked to see him get another day off with Thursday being a day off as well. Just to, hey, kind of cool yourself down. Just sit there, relax. Don't even go in the cage. Just get your mind right. Mm-hmm. Don't do not do anything today except for sit your butt on the bench and watch a baseball game. <laughs> Cheer on your teammates. Please. Maybe Trammell gets a start out there. I know, you know, Pollock, he got a DH day yesterday, so I wouldn't be surprised if the outfield was Kelnick, Trammell, and Teoscar. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that even if Julio gets the day off, you'll still see a lot of fans out in center field. Joe, the J-Rod squad, tell us about it. Colton and I are excited to bring you guys member of the month. If we ever reach a threshold of 50 members or more, click join in the screen right now and become a member. Trust me, it's going to be worth it after you hear this. We will be giving away two tickets to the J-Rod squad section to some random member at the end of each month. Regular season month, I should say. And the member of the month is going to be every regular season month that we hit 50 members. At the end of the year, we're going to have the member of the year giveaway. We're giving away a Julio Rodriguez autographed baseball some merch from us, as well as some other fun prizes. So make sure you hit that join button down below. And hey, you know, just maybe give some members while you're at it. Smile. Tyler, Accent, we see you. We appreciate you guys from the stream. And if you're trying to save up some money to be able to afford a membership for the Mario Mojo channel, why not get this Julio Rodriguez piggy bank? Yeah, that's right. Foco is releasing a Julio Rodriguez piggy bank bobblehead. It's a very different design, but it's a cool design. Maybe put a quarter in there. Every time Julio strikes out, you'll be rich by the end of the season. Put a quarter in there. Be able to afford your way into the J-Rod squad or afford to give us some memberships. And hey, maybe we'll give you some J-Rod squad tickets instead. With JP sliding up into a leadoff spot, that takes a pretty productive hitter out of the bottom of our lineup should Julio move down. We've seen a lot of really, really good production out of the bottom of our lineup. Tom Murphy hit a two-run jack and a double in yesterday's game. Caballeros looked great down there. Colton, any like worries about the bottom of the lineup should JP move up? How are you feeling about that? I think what we've seen out of Colton Wong has given me a little bit of hope. He's looked pretty good recently along with Jose Caballero. If we have Taylor Trammell out there a little bit more, I'd like to see him get going. Maybe, you know, do something more than hit home runs and walk. Maybe, maybe throw a single in there. I think that the bottom of the lineup should be fine. And moving Julio down there, if he starts to figure it out, you know, Maybe he'd be able to lengthen the lineup in that six through nine spot, 69. Nice. nice. And I think that there's not too much to worry about. But at the same time, 
you probably then slide AJ Pollock in there somewhere if he's DHing or sure. Taylor Trammell if he's DHing. So it, it, it's a lot of moving parts, but mm-hmm. the lineup itself is relatively the same minus Julio at the top, which at the moment he's not providing like someone at the top of the lineup should be anyway. Yeah. So I'm not, I wouldn't be worried about it. I do worry a little bit mm-hmm. about Jose Caballero's um, BDE if you will, Ooh. so far in the big leagues. Little, Thoughts little, on that? A little acronym for some some big <laughs> energy. Yeah, so he he's definitely walking around like he's been there. And, you know, he's, he's playing well. And, you know, rightfully so, he can kind of bring a spark, I think is what it serves. He's a guy that's going to go out there and kind of fight for his spot, fight for his team, and fight for his right to party. Anyway, I don't know. There's, I'm worried it's getting too much because it's – three games in a row now where the there was the incident with Maldonado at that home plate, you know, he was up to bat and he's like, get back at the box, blah, you know, and Caballero's like, what'd you say to me? And it's just like, okay, like now the benches are clearing, like what's going on? You have the tag on Semyon yesterday where he's like, whoa, careful of my shin. I've got glass bones, buddy. Relax. I don't want to get hurt again. I don't know if he's ever been hurt in his career. And there, it, not, I wouldn't even call it an incident, but his use of the pitch clock in the second game one he didn't okay people were dave sims for hold on he said oh he sold that hit by pitch really well dude didn't even swing his hand like if you feel like you want to sell the pitch by getting hit in the hand you gotta shake that baby shake it like you're trying to like pack a can of dip or something like do something (laughs) he just like he was like ah that hurt like no you gotta you gotta sell it and you know replay you know, they're going to find out that it did hit the knob anyways. But still, you got to sell a little bit more. And then he's walking back, taking his time, doing his thing. And as soon as he gets back in the box, he's got his hand up ready to call time. And I, if I'm on the Rangers team, I'm surprised. I, if he's playing tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets plunked by the way his antics have kind of been addressed. I'm not even addressed. The way that they're being presented. Because it looks like he's just kind of being a jackass. But from our end, he's providing a spark, right? Yeah, and I think... Overall, for for a lot of that, I, the the thing on Simeon that's a, that was a little weird to me. I mean, you have a like a ten year vet, sure. and then you have a like a ten game rookie, mm-hmm. and you're slamming a tag down. I get it. Like you, I think you, he's you, just you, trying to get the tag down there quickly. It's just right. Looking at it, it's like oh, he smacked his cat. He smacked his yeah. shin pretty hard. And I don't know. I, I he he's causing a lot of problems that aren't necessary and right so far none of them have been a big deal i mean the benches clearing thing was the biggest thing and i blame that more on the umpire and martin maldonado sure but it's it's starting to become a pattern where jose caballero is the one mixed up in all of these yeah, things. yeah there's a common factor here and it's him and i think like his use of the pitch clock i think is perfect i think that guys pitchers are stupid I think that pitchers are stupid because if they're complaining about a guy waiting till eight seconds, but then the pitcher can hold the ball till there's one second left on the clock. It's like, you're just giving all the power to the pitcher at that point. Yeah. And of course there are kinks in the system there. We knew there would be coming into the season. There were going to be kinks in the system for Mm. how this whole pitch clock thing was going to work out. But Jose Caballero and a lot of the marriage batters, I think Cal's done it too. They have used that pitch clock and waited until that eight second mark because that is their time. Yeah. After the eight second mark, it's all the it's the pitcher's time, and you just have to stand there at the mercy of the pitcher. Mm-hmm. So I think that the way Caballero use the way Caballero is using it is fine. It's just 
he his i think it's his mouth that's getting him in more trouble than necessarily yeah he, that he's he's jawing a lot back and forth mm-hmm. which is I, you know there's I a there, there's a place for it right and in a team if we were say you know eight and 28 instead of 18 and 18 the jawing might look a little worse but mm-hmm. we're, it's still they're competitive games they're competitive moments and he's just he's playing the game how he wants to play the game and that's totally fine it's just if it gets him into trouble that's where as a teammate i know gino stepped in with the play on semi and it was like hey man good vibes only you know just whatever <laughs> scott might have to step like i don't know like, i don't know what severity level it's gonna get to but if it continues and he says it to the wrong guy or he does something you know it might not end well for him yeah could you imagine him saying that to rude that odor oh he's getting a punch right in the mouth yeah, immediately like no no assassin just throat punch gotcha like done knocked out yeah i i, I again i think it's fine mm-hmm. and also he's performing well right now but like yeah. let's say he starts he he goes into a slump and the mariners start struggling again there comes a point where you guys need to be out there to play baseball and all of this little like you know oh he's talking crap to martin Maldonado, he's slapping Simeon in the leg it it becomes amplified yeah. and for example that the scuffle between the mariners and the astros like julio was going out there after maldonado multiple times and like I understand that Julio's ass right now, but at the same time, that's something that should have never happened in the first place. And then mm-hmm. let's say Julio got suspended. Let's say it, it, it escalated and Julio got suspended. Yeah. That's something that could have been avoided altogether had Caballero just kept his mouth shut. Sure. So I don't personally hate it, but I do see that there is an opportunity for it to become a problem in the future. Yeah. Did you – so there's a little pop-up. might have been in the seventh inning where it was – France and Haggerty were pretty close by. Caballero's running and sprinting, and France looks like he's calling it. And then Caballero, oh. he calls him off, and then France just kind of, like, throws his arms up. What do you make of a situation kind of like that? It, it looked like – I mean, it's probably nothing. Like, they probably talked in the dugout. I mean, they were like, oh, my bad. But – I. I thought it was all in good fun. Yeah. Okay. Personally, I, I don't think France was actually upset about that. It's I mean, kind of like, a, what the heck, bro? Yeah, France yeah. has been like I, I saw that more as like an Andrews and Beltre moment, sure. Than like uh, you know, hey, this guy's just taking the show. W- with Jose Caballero, there's no guarantee that he's on this roster moving forward. At this point, he's looked a lot better than someone like Sam Haggerty. But Dylan Moore, we just got an update on his injury timeline. Yes. And you talked a little bit about this in a short this morning, but can you elaborate more on? Dylan Moore's timeline for returning to the big leagues. So, yeah, I saw, you know, shout out Ryan Diffish for tweeting out things, making it a lot more easier than clicking an MLB.com link for me. Eight to ten days is where Moore might be starting his rehab assignment. Again, this was one where Moore had offseason surgery and then didn't see a lot of time in spring training. There was a setback. Was in a rehab assignment. Another setback. Got it. You know, a lot of things, right? So, eight to ten days as of yesterday, so seven to nine, quick maths, and whether or not he starts his rehab assignment then, you know, kind of up in the air, we'll just kind of like play it by ear, but if this is the, the timeline that we're kind of looking at, probably like a June, uh, an early June, maybe mid-June reunion with, with Dylan Moore, fresh off his extension, and you mentioned it, if Caballero continues this play and Haggerty say doesn't start tearing the cover off the ball it would I mean I don't know if it would be but it should be Haggerty that would get sent on to AAA to see some ABs get him you know back right maybe for that second half of the season push there at the end as a 
spark plug pinch runner you know defensive replacement kind of guy because caballero he's definitely earned his spot a little bit more than Haggerty. yeah and at this point Haggerty just needs at bats and he's not getting them consistently at all and you and i talked throughout the offseason that Haggerty's not as good as everyone thinks he is but he's better than this and with that being said in that second game of the rangers series he played pretty well i mean he had a nice base hit he was able to uh get on and score he scored a run, run on ty francis hit yeah that's what it was yeah, yeah yeah so and he got to second on a pretty pivotal play and getting to second which yep. was on that play which so that was something that sam Haggerty does i mean he he he's a guy on the base paths that makes a difference yes and jose caballero might be that same guy we haven't seen it as much out of him mm-hmm. but if dylan moore comes back moore has proved more than both of them yeah. so he's a guy that is He's going to be on the roster. He's going to be on the roster. So if one of those guys has to go down, it's probably going to have to be Haggerty. And last year, Haggerty went down and then came back up and was a spark plug for the rest of the season for the Mariners in the second half. It could be a similar story this year. Who knows? But I think adding back guys that have been hurt is a really big deal for this Mariners team that struggled in April, has looked decent in May. Mm-hmm. One guy they're really missing right now is Andres Munoz. We got an update on him as well, right? Well, unfortunately for Munoz, it isn't a good update from Ryan Divish. Munoz, the guy that we didn't know when we were really getting back, and there was rumors maybe in Oakland, and then it gets pushed back to maybe the first series back home against Houston. Update, as of yesterday, got a platelet-rich plasma injection shot in his shoulder. Whatever the heck that means. But, you know, just injury things won't be ready to go out and rehab until the end of the month you know that's another two three weeks and that is just the rehab part right so he had a little bit more inflammation in that shoulder and they're it's basically just another setback for Andres Munoz which kind of seems just like you know Mariners luck for injuries this year just another setback after another setback Robbie Ray was like maybe he's only out a month Tommy John so I I would not be overly optimistic we see Munoz by i don't want to say the all-star break because that seems like such a far ways away even though it's only two months but i'm gonna stay at the all-star break yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he's not back until the all-star break after you know after so it's one where the bullpen they've been really really good it could be even better with andres munoz but we keep on keeping on with the guys juan 10 looked great out there in the ninth inning got electric stuff glad to see him get some usage there didn't have to have you know, it wasn't time for Paul Seawald to pitch, which was great. Save him for tomorrow, today's game, as it is. That would have been a really good segue into today's game. But first, we have to talk about Evan White. Evan White, the the the, the Bronicle son, if you will. Poor guy. Basically dead, I think. You want to? I'm not sure. Same. You know, have a moment of silence. All right, that was enough. Yeah, out three months with a hip surgery, just can't just can't do it can't stay healthy which makes dylan Moore coming back all the more important i think for first base depth because i don't want to see him sam Haggerty play another inning over there at first and please god no. ty you know yes he's looking better but he will need regular days off at some point mm-hmm. it's not going to be today though against the rubber match in the ranger series who's on the mound buddy so the Mariners are going up against Dane Dunning, a pitcher that the Rangers acquired from the Chicago White Sox in the Lance Lynn deal, was it? Probably. Does that sound right? Yeah, that does sound, that sound right, right, actually. You're so smart. 
Thank you. So in his last outing, Dane Dunning made his first start of the year. He's been pitching primarily out of the bullpen for the Texas Rangers, but he made a start versus the Los Angeles Angels of Disneyland. And I think he went five and a third or something like that. He has mm -hmm. not pitched more than five and a third in any outing so far this year. So this is only going to be a second start of the season against the Mariners. And I think you probably, if you can just pitch count up and get him out by the fourth and get into that mediocre rangers bullpen mm -hmm. joe how do you feel about game three versus the rangers hitting on dane dunning here a little bit more i'm not hitting on him that sounded weird the mariners are gonna hit him hard i feel like day game dane dunning has a very low percentile with percentage only nine percent yes the mariners whiff a lot but you come you know a movable object versus like the unstoppable force or whatever one's got to give at some point right i feel like the mariners can get what Julio Rodriguez on that whiff percentage <laughs> says, hold my beer. Regardless, whiff percentage is low. The chase rate is low. Fastball velo is low. Unless Dane Dunning has this magical slider that I don't really know about. I'm seeing a slider on his pitch distribution. It's chalked. We'll get to the Rangers bullpen early. We've got La Piedra on the bump. He's going to go out and shove. Gilbert and Kirby did master classes against one of the top offenses in baseball so far this year. There's no reason why Castillo can't go do the same thing. Yeah, and Castillo did go seven innings against the Houston Astros on City Connect debut night. Mm -hmm. He did give up four earned runs, which was, you know, not what we're used to seeing out of him. It's most earned runs he's given up in a start so far this year. Yeah. And for the Rangers and the against the Mariners pitching staff, it's actually been insane that the Mariners have been able to hold arguably the best offense so far in the American League in terms of batting average on balls in play and runs scored and so on and so forth. Yes. The Mariners have held them to two runs thus far. That's pretty wild to think about that's how good this pitching staff has been. Mm -hmm. We already knew they were good. I mean, in the in the terrible month that was April, the Mariners pitching staff was still towards the top of the rankings, and they've been somehow even better in May. Yeah. And I think that's why we see the Mariners now off to a 5-2, and 6-2, and 6-2 and two start so far in the month of May. Mm-hmm. Four wins away from matching their win total from last May in 2022. That's I think that's them, wild to think. Isn't about. that wild? Oh, They're four wins man. away. They can they can have that by next Monday. So I think La Piedra. He's gonna be amazing. The Rock. You know they don't call him the Rock for nothing. He's gonna go out there. He's gonna shut down this offense. Her. Randomly, the Rangers are gonna wake back up and they're gonna say, "Hey, our 318 batting average on balls in play. Yeah, that's who we are compared mm -hmm. to the Mariners." 272 batting average on balls in play the mariners have to get to dane dunning early that is what i think matters because if this rangers offense is anything like it's been the entirety of this season the mariners are going to have a tough time on the mound tomorrow even with luis castillo up there he's incredible of course but i wouldn't i will not feel safe against this rangers lineup right now unless we have three or four runs on the board yeah i think they they smell blood in the water and then they strike, you know, that seventh inning against Logan Gilbert. No one saw, I think, you know, base runners coming for the Rangers at any point against Gilbert that night. And then, boom, there was three in a row. It's like, well, SOL at that point and, you know, sack mm -hmm. fly. I, I had this fleeting thought where if it was a little bit closer to the foul line, tail letting it go. And that yeah. would have been having – well, that would have caused – Mariners Twitter to go into just the biggest conniption fit I think of the season so far the Rangers offense when they need to it looks like they get that clutch hit didn't happen in game two but 
if we don't put up those runs, they're always within striking distance. The Mariners have the day off tomorrow before they travel to Detroit to take on the Detroit Tigers. First time we're going to be able to see Miguel Cabrera in his final season. I'm excited about that. That's going to do it for this episode of the Hit It Here podcast. Appreciate you guys watching. For Colton and Joe, we'll see you soon and go Mariners.